When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. Welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, in fact, cut that music. It's not right. We need to start with uh, the, the Japanese national anthem. <laughs> yes, we're living in a Japanese world. Wow. The rugby tectonic plates have shifted and things will never be the same again. That's JB. Hello, Timothy. That is Phil. Hello, Tim. And those brave blossoms. Let's have a moment for them. Wow. Can I just say that's the most WWE moment we've ever had in the studio? <laughs> Kill the music! <laughs> oh, God. Um, um, Mr. Miyagi, what's, his, what's the actor's name? Ken... Don't know, but <laughs> Ken, Ken, Phil, look that up on your laptop. That's the important stat you yeah. need. Ken, Ken, Mo, Mo, Mori, Mor, Mori, Moriata, or wow, we're, we're getting there slowly. Uh, You're slowly unraveling. Who's the actor? The actor who played Mister Miyagi. Well, more importantly, portrayed by Ken. Um, the two people portrayed by Pat, Pat, M- Pat. Pat Marita. Pat Marita. There you Pat go. Marita. Pat Marita. Wasn't, wasn't far off. For, <laughs> Close enough. Think how proud he'd be right now. Well, we've <laughs> actually visited visited his homeland of Okinawa. Okinawa. Yes. Lovely yeah. place. Yeah. Hey, interesting. I got a tweet this week saying I need to think outside of my small English mind. No, my little Englander mind. Which is an interesting. What, thing. what were you tweeting about? I have no. I got no idea. It was in relation to last week's podcast or the last podcast we, we did. And I was called an effing T, followed by I need to think outside of my little Englander mind. I, which I agree with all of the first part of the statement, for, for, the, for, the, for the record. Uh, how do you think outside of your own mind? Oh, well, and I'm Welsh. And you're Welsh, yeah. yeah. North Whalian. North Whalian, yeah. exactly right. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's lovely. Um, I, that's 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 perfect illustration right there of Twitter. You're not allowed to disagree <laughs> respectfully, or I, or you're not allowed to counter an argument with a better well, argument. The, you just call someone a twat. Well, no, the pro- the problem was he blocked me before I could establish what had upset him so much, which was devastating because I wanted to say it again. But uh, you know, we are where we are. Well, I'm sure they're listening because Howard Stern, the the well, greatest radio presenter of all time, he used to say 
that the people who loved him listened for an hour and a half a day. The people that hated him listened for three hours a day. Very, very <laughs> true. <laughs> very, people very love true. to hate him. I, I, but on people like James O'Brien, I can't take him for one minute anymore. So that, that, wow. that breaks that rule. Anyway, Japan, <laughs> what an unbelievable, unbelievable day of rugby we have just witnessed. Yeah, and it's different to the other games. I mean, I kind of thought this about the Ireland game. So what I thought about the Ireland game is it was more impressive than the South Africa game because although they were sort of a bit of a shot in the dark to win, they still did it. There's more expectation. They're at home. It's home World Cup. They've won in line, more in line with expectation. The Scotland game was more the same and more intense because they had to win to go through. They'd already failed against Scotland in the past in King's home, so I guess they'll, they'll won all now. Uh, and it was an amazing, and it's an amazing triumph. Uh, you know, there is one element, isn't there, when the underdog does well. But it's nothing altogether when you're expected to do well, and then you pull it off. And that's what they did. That, that for me, was the uh, possibly the most impressive bit. Was So teams have won games playing high-skilled, expansive rugby strategies in the past. There are a few teams who, under such pressure, such huge pressure of the situation and the expectation, the expectation have yeah. have yes. have stuck to that same expansive, um, high, highly, incredibly risky strategy and executed it so perfectly for so much of the game. Mm. That was so unbelievably impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, you see it a lot with Wales, actually. So opening match of the Six Nations and Cardiff is bouncing and it feels like the biggest match in history. And think, yeah, just the sheer expectation on Wales alone will see them through against England in the opening match of Six Nations. And it doesn't happen. You, know, you see it a lot. And, you know, I, I loved it. And, yeah. and, and under pressure, teams often revert to ever simpler game plans. Yeah. And I, I think we will see yes. significantly more of that next weekend I don't think we'll see it from Japan. I think from a lot of the other teams, we will see a very simplified uh, kicking territory-based game and ultimately a lot of one-out rugby hoping to win the arm wrestle, whereas Japan did not go down that route at all. They continued with what had made them such an impressive team in all of their previous games. So I'm just going to go back on something I said then, which was this was more impressive than the Ireland game. But the fact that they won it means that the Ireland game, to me now, is actually more important. And I'll explain why. Which is, they've shown they can do Scotland. And I think, you know, before the tournament, everyone was like, oh, well, it'll be the Scotland-Japan Scotland game, which will be the toss-up between the two. It uh, turns out, no, it was, this, uh, it was the Japan-Ireland game. And now the fact they've done it against Ireland, who are genuine World Cup contenders, or at least they were two years ago. Maybe they're not. Oh, one year ago. One, one year ago. One year ago, yeah. they were team of the year. Johnny yep. Sexton was player of the year. George Schmidt was coach of the year. Also having champagne they, in Monaco. We were having champagne in Monaco. They won the I Six Nations. Yep. Leinster won everything they possibly could. They were the team to beat. They, yes. They'd beaten the All Blacks in the autumn. And they, they are, were the team. Exactly. So they are a different prop- proposition to Scotland. Yes. Completely. Yeah. Playing a different way. And they beat them. So actually that might be the more important one in hindsight. Oh, without a doubt. And yeah. you're right to mention the expectation because they won as massive underdogs against South Africa. They won as underdogs against Ireland, albeit on home turf. But they were... It was it was, it was was toss of a coin, knife-edge stuff. And they had the weight of expectation and the convoluted and unusual build-up to the game. And like you say, to, to be calm under pressure like that and the top two inches to be so composed. Yeah, oh. I mean, how easy would it be just to lose your head? Or just 
Like it was, it's not even lose your head at times, but just the the execution because the tries that they scored were wow phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal to execute that those kind of tries, the offloading game, the expansive game, the pace that so many of their players put on it. It was just phenomenal to see. It is interesting, isn't it, that uh, Gregor Townsend? That's one of the things he said he wants to make Scotland the the fastest rug, fastest playing rugby team on earth, and he was undone by actually the fastest the f- uh, yeah. playing rugby team on and earth. There were times when I was watching that game, thinking Gregor Townsend has has received um, in in the past uh, rightly a lot of um, positive praise for the way he's got Scotland playing, the mercurial talent that he's he's built and has developed the team around the speed of the play and they were Japan just looked at that kind of strategy and said you think that's good watch watch this boys this is how it's really the only person that will be more devastated at the defeat than anyone Scottish is the person who made the Brighton Miracle movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point in that now? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Or, just, just every game. Or, do, or has that genius now got a franchise? Because <laughs> that's where the money is. Well, they need to keep a up. A trilogy. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, my word. Um, so, back to the speed of how they play. One of the things that I was thinking was, are they Because when you watch them play, they look like they're always making the right decisions. That's why they're so impressive. Right? They either go forward, they latch, or... Yeah, they make a half break or the offload for the first strike. Everything looks like the right decision. And I posed the question on Twitter, are they making the right decisions? Or is their skill level so high that they either get bailed out or everything just looks like the right decision? So I, I saw that and my thought was the right way of answering it is when you are playing that, that strategy of rugby and you are playing it so well, you're executing it so well, you're actually creating multiple right decisions from every every phase. So, And what I mean by that is, if you're hitting the line and whether you go to deck and you've got two, clear, two clearers who are right there, or you offload, or you offload just before contact, and the guys that you're offloading to are taking it at full tilt, Japan actually have multiple correct options in almost every situation because their decision-making is so good. So they can pick three right options multiple times but it also compounds itself so because i mean it's really simple little things like their props for example i was watching it today and the ball carrying of their props they have real subtlety so they'll they'll take a charge but they'll effectively they'll they'll do a little step just before contact Mm. that gets them an extra half yard so the fact that it compounds itself so when you're getting an extra half yard from your prop when you're hitting the ball uh, the, the gain line at such speed that you get beyond it it means the ball is quicker which means the next phase is it's, it becomes oh, it's, it compounds and becomes easier and look at the way that their two props their two replacement props came yeah. on yeah. now for a lot of teams England included by the way you get through your first two props and there's a noticeable drop off Wales are the same in fact name me a country where it isn't the same these two chaps come on and start running the show I mean a couple of times uh, the well there's a guy called with the with the blonde hair um, the reserve na- tight head na- Nakajima, I want to say, like he would be first receiver, pop it inside to his mate two or two or three times. I'll, I'll give you another example of wrong decisions looking right because your skills are so high. One thing which annoys me the most is when they've got like, you've got a three on two, you just wing the miss pass out. But they were winging the miss pass out almost deliberately to pull it back inside straight away. It was it was glorious. But, but here's another question: 
are their skills so high or are they just brave enough to try? Because I, I think a bit of both. I, I think their skills are as high as any we've seen. Their, look, their handling yeah, skills. You look at Vinopola and Genge, for example, and um, uh, as a couple of England props that got really good hands. They, they have Sinclair as Sinclair Sink, very as well, good. Yeah. But no, I, I think their their handling is legitimately brilliant. I ref- the um, Matsushima try with the, the oh. miss pass to Fukuoka, wow. who almost beats and then the offload, Matsushima yeah. goes in. And also the, the kinky Fukuoka try against Ireland. The handling for that was just unreal. The the timing of the running and the timing of the passes and the the speed of the passes were just unreal. So so they they have they have skills genuinely I think as good as anyone their handling skills. But there is also an element that they are totally unafraid to try it. And I go back to the point I made before where I said um, a lot of teams in that kind of high pressure situation will revert to a type. The majority certainly of the northern hemisphere teams is the simple kicking and brutal game plan which we will see next weekend from from a lot of them japan did not revert to that type do you th- so how 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 much do you think the the tectonic shift um tectonic plates of rugby might shift as a result of japan doing that will other countries look at that and think well maybe there's a blueprint maybe but there again i think coaches place their strengths so Cast your mind back four years when Japan go over the line against South Africa and they did it from a solid scrum. They go all the way to one side of the field and they pull it all, all the way back and they go in the corner. And that, again, was built on good hands, good good skills, fast movement of the ball, ruck and run type, type rugby. And that was under who? Eddie Jones. So Eddie Jones has now moved on and you wouldn't describe England as playing in that way whatsoever. So I wonder if some of this is like in their DNA of how that group of players play. But also, if there is a coach like Jamie Joseph or like Eddie Jones, and they are presented with a pack of players like England, well, they go, I, I can go back to that style of play. However, you know, I've got some massive men. Let's just go forward. But I suppose we can go on to Gregor Townsend in a bit. But just to pick up on that and maybe just pin it as something to talk about, I agree with you. Great coaches will adapt their style of play based on the... I mean the weapons they have at their disposable uh, disposal, and I wonder if Gregor Townsend is actually trying to has imposed his way of playing on a group of people that can't execute. Well, it. I've got some thoughts on this. Well, should we should we should we pin on the should we just pin Scotland one to one side and talk about the positives yes. of? Uh, well, uh, go uh, hang on. Before we go forward, I just want to go uh, to go back to the styles of play. Um, like, will we see more of this in different countries? The answer, the short answer, is no. Because can you imagine the stick that, that you'd get if you showed up at South Africa and tried to make Eben Etzebeth play that style of rugby and then drop him because you found another prop like, you know, Moore or um, the other row, another second Yeah, row. yeah, or Thompson. You think, actually, well, this guy's got better hands and then I'm, uh, so therefore I'm going to go, go, for, go forward with him. That's why I don't think we'll see it because all the other teams are so powerfully built and so good at what they do anyway you'd be insane to go down to what would be perceived to be your sixth or seventh best lock in order to get that sort of effect. But, could, but it, it could change the thing in the sense that South Africa top brass might look at it and go, if we, we can produce these humongous men, if we can just produce them coming through as adults with that skill set hey, If they as can well, do it all. If they yeah. can do yeah. it all. Well, arguably, that's why New Zealand have won two World Cups on the bounce. Yeah, because actually they can do it. 
yeah, you do have players who can do everything. Brody Vitalik can do that. Yeah, Whitelock and Barrett can can all do that. Now, just another thing that why I think it it is more difficult for other nations um, to replicate what Japan have done, and that is the access afforded to both Eddie Jones before the last World Cup and Jamie Joseph before this World Cup. Mm. Jamie Joseph has had, has had the best part of twelve months of total control of a squad of forty players. Playing, mm. training with them near full time where they are not playing for clubs unless he specifically says they can go and play a few games for the Sunwolves. No other coach in world rugby wow. is ever going to have that kind of control. Are they playing local club rugby for the... This is the question the, I they're, had. They're playing Sunwolves B team and when he deems it necessary and appropriate, they can step up to Sunwolves first team. And so the average player in that Japan squad, there was a, a tweet today from, I think, Russ Petty, the average player in that Japan squad played 90 minutes of Super Rugby uh, in this year's competition and only when Jamie Joseph said it was right. So I wow. have lots more questions based on that, which is, yeah, I think I get it. I, I think I get it. It seems counterintuitive to me to have you players playing so little, but hey, I've not just come out of a World Cup group, so what do I know? Yeah, the end- four, four <laughs> wins in a World Cup group when you were third ranked going into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my, and my other thought on this would be, okay, so you've done ama- amazing things now, but would Japan rugby be better served by having a Sunwolves team which was con- consistently competitive, which filmed out a 40,000-seat stadium every week rather than a 70,000-seat stadium, well, now, and we don't know when the next time will be? Well... There is a, a another control sample on that regard, and that's the Jaguares, mm. who played a that whole squad played together throughout the whole of Super Rugby. Um, they played closer to nine hundred minutes per man as an average. They got to the final, and then have been well disappointingly poor to their own World Cup standards in this tournament. Interesting. And Japan are the. Here's, here's, here's a little stat. Japan, in the last two World Cups, are the only side outside of New Zealand who've won every game uh, to have only lost one game. Yeah. Sorry, run the past me again. So New Zealand have won every game yep. in the last two World Cups. In Cup. this World Cup currently, yep. and the last one, if you take the two combined, Japan are the only team to have lost one game over that same period. Oh. They've played less. Because they didn't make the pulls, they didn't make the knockouts. Yeah, but they, they only lost one game. They only the lost first, one game. First team to win three games and go out of the, the pool yes. stages in the last World Cup. And they've won it all four but in this. So they've won seven out of their last eight, eight World games. Cup games. World so, Cup games. So and and the, the win percentage, New Zealand's is 100%, Australia's is 90%, and Japan in third place, 87.5%. Scot- nice. Scotland, meanwhile, have won less than a third, uh, less than two thirds of their matches in this and the last World Cup combined. Yeah, so um, I've just got one closing closing question on Japan then, and mm. the minutes played. Pro- project this five five years forward. Which rugby nation will be in better health, Argentina or Japan? Good question. And Japan losing the Summers, therefore losing the ability to get them any top level games, unless they're going to play in the uh, Japan Top League, Japanese Top League. That does look like a blow to the strategy that they've been implementing. Mm, it does. To this point. On the flip side, Japan is the... It's, it's, it's up there in the top five richest countries third. on Earth. Third, isn't it? Third, yeah, yeah. Third. Third, third biggest GDP. And they've had this incredible showcase of Japanese rugby 
sponsors, big businessmen, well, they already government, it, state, state funding or whatever, it's, it's going to step up another level. You'd hope so. You definitely hope so. Talent identification, yeah. uh, what do you do with Japan? scientific research, all the rest of it. Well, what do you do with Japan in terms of where do they get their rugby now? Like, what tournament do they join? Well, their domestic league, I don't know how good that quality is. I'm not Re- well, it's reasonable. I mean, they've got some real superstars in there. Yeah, but I think it's it's mixed. From from what I've seen, you have the superstars and then you have the salary men. The salary men. <laughs> oh, yes, let's talk about the salary men again. Um, <laughs> but they, they're playing in the... I can't remember the exact name of it, but the Pacific Rugby Championship. So they're playing against Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, um, USA, and uh, might be Canada, um, which is kind of the Pacific Six Nations. So they're they're playing in that, which is a not a bad standard, but or the top of that is not a bad standard, i.e. Japan and Fiji, but you drop it down or you pick a Fiji where all of their players are playing in Europe, all of their top-level players, Radrada and Nakarawa and Tuisova and the like, are all playing in Europe. And it's it's not the same level test as playing no. South Africa. And you have the same problems with all of these annual competitions, which is by taking away one team and putting them in with the big boys, you basically dilute the competition yeah. in the... You know, well, well, the standard of the other competition, which you sub- which you subtract from, so yeah, there's no easy answer to that one. There is not, and th- there's a lot of rugby still has the problem of the global calendar, mm-hmm. which still has not got a solution yet. You would expect to see them tour more, though, wouldn't you? In the, in, in November, uh, they'll, they'll definitely tour. They'll, I mean, they've got to. Like, in fact, they're going to be a draw. It's not. It's no they will like be a, draw. a sympathy game. No, no, not at all. Um, but just playing four games in November is not good enough. Mm. They, they've got to have as regular as they want well, international caliber games. Well, if they have four games. games over here and they're now a legitimate tour destination, they've, they've already got quite a lot of calendar then. So you've got, you got seven, only, seven games in 52 weeks. Yeah, and then, but then you've only got the five more games, which the which Six Nations guys have. But then the, what you're ignoring in that is the 20-odd games that the Six Nations guys will play in Premiership and but, Heineken Cup. But actually, looking at what we've just said about Jamie Joseph's access to players and how much time they've played, it's, you know, how can you square that circle? Which yeah. is, we need more Tier 1 games, but then this team has no actual, you know, high-end minutes. Yeah, or very, like, like very, very few. Yeah. Very, very few. Like, which one is it? It can't be both. Just, just a couple of things. Um, Kenki Fukuoka uh, get scored, scored again. Mm. Uh, did you know he's retiring after the World Cup? Yeah. I didn't realise this until today. 27 years of age, he's retiring to become a doctor. Yeah. What a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, and you he... can become a doctor whenever you want. I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not difficult compared to playing international wing. I know doctors will be offended by that, but there's literally thousands of doctors, probably millions on earth. There's only a handful of international so, wings. Yeah, yeah. Good God. No, and he, he was. I was so glad because he was one of the guys. I said, "You did." What, I was look just out about bef- to say before the tournament. Look out for Kenji Fukuda. Yeah, he was your he was uh, injured one to watch. In, he was injured in the first game. He only played the last ten minutes of the second game and scored. And he has managed to score four tries in three, three, two two, 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 two and games and ten minutes. Yeah. My God, Incredible. I mean the whole uh, point. Matsushima as well. The like the two of them are unreal. Well, un- unreal. The whole point, like Jamie Roberts has done, of training to be a doctor whilst you play rugby is so you never need to be a doctor. <laughs> it's, it's one of those interesting. Oh, we've got Jamie Roberts in. He's he's a doctor. Hopefully, he'll never he'll never be a doctor <laughs> because that's why he did it. Right. Uh, 
I'm going to say I've got something very, very exciting that's just landed on my phone on a WhatsApp group. But I don't know whether I can play this now. And right, so can you hit pause? And hopefully we'll be back with you shortly. You can just you can just put a little marker on it. I don't think we should play that. Right, well, pause over. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're not playing that. So was he drunk in full kit? Uh, technically, I think he was drunk in full kit. Okay, well, you can um, you can um, put two and two together. He, he, he had a good time. He had a great time. Good. Um, what, what, was two, what was it about? Too many strong zeros. Yeah. Oh, my word, strong zeros. That's my, that's my new business plan, to import strong zeros. <laughs> let's do the Scotland post-mortem. Well, yes, let's do that. Let's Ooh. do that. So, with, with the yin, the yes has to be the yang. So it started so well for Scotland. It they, did. That first ten minutes or so... It looked like they were able to handle the the fast rooking, offloading, yep. wide game of Japan, and they got brilliant foot, front football that led to that Finn Russell try. Yeah, everything is going great. Turnover penalties, and then a try. Yeah, it, lo- it was looking good. Mm. And then the the tide to the it was a monumental tide shift, and it was after that first Scotland try, it was all four Japanese tries were scored and I mean the stats at half time were so heavily in Japan's favour it was like nothing I've ever seen it, it was 80% possession it was um, Scotland made 120 tackles to 20 for or 20 something for Japan it was 300 plus metres made ball in hand for Japan and 50 metres made with ball in hand with, for Scotland it was just it was just all Japan after that first Seven ten minutes. So, I mean, we can talk about specifics on their actual game. We'll get onto the general point of Gregor Townsend in a minute, I suppose. But I, I just I, I looked at the, the, the Chris Harris selection. I mean, he's a, he's a big old unit. He can play a bit, but he's he's a big old unit. And as far as I could tell, the game plan was let's use Chris Harris as a dummy runner all day because <laughs> that's well, actually, all he did. All, actually, the most the most he got the ball was when he was, was on the wing. When he was pushed onto the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he yeah. actually um, gave him a bit of go forward. Yeah, and, yeah, and he did well. Good. And he did really well. He yeah, exactly. The so wing. they had this big lump that they never used and I, and I just couldn't help thinking, okay, well, if you're not going to use him and I understand there's the, you know, his presence will attract other people, create space. But he's, for... he's not that big, is he? He's no, not he's Jake, not, no, 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 exactly. No. And, and he can play a bit, but I couldn't help thinking. Again, if, if you're not going to use him, and then you're going to find yourself points down and needing something, that's where a Rory Hutchinson on the plane. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you know? It's the kind of player that they missed. Yeah. I mean, where I am with this Scotland performance, and I, I sometimes I get things wrong, not often, but one of the things which will seduce me. Oh, you got a lot of things wrong. So, what, what, did, you, what did you put just immediately before the game? I, I do not fancy. I do not, I do fancy, not fancy Japan. Japan. Not one bit. Not one bit. <laughs> is there is there any predictions you've got right this uh, well, World we'll Cup? We'll get into why I was right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was watching the warm up, and I'm watching Finn Russell juggle rugby balls flawlessly, and then every now and again throw one onto his foot, kick it, kick it up, and carry on juggling. I'm like. There is no way, there is no way Finn Russell can mess mess it up again as much as he did tonight. He's too talented. And this is my biggest weakness. In the same way that I would look at Pierre Speaks and think, no way can anyone beat a team with Pierre Pierre Speaks in it. It can't be done. But there is more to rugby uh, other than that. Uh, Yeah, so I'm kind of with uh, with you boys, which is massively disappointing. And basically, I'd say their best player was probably Chris Harris, only for his once, contribution in the last 20. Once he got onto the once wing. He put, got put, once he actually was given the ball yeah. every now and again. So it, it was just it was just odd. And a lot of 
Scotty, I don't know how, how reactionary is the talk of, well, Gregor Townsend's got to go. I, I think it's too reactionary. It For me, so he's only been there two years. Who would you replace him with is the answer? Well, that that is another question. Cockers? But he, he's been there for Call two for two years. Yeah. He Everyone loved what he did at, at Glasgow, including winning the Pro 14. Uh, I think he needs another World Cup cycle. I, I would give him a full World Cup cycle to properly what if, implement what, what he if wants Bern to do. What Cotter was available? No chance. So step backwards. Yeah, but Vern Cotter, you know, still very highly thought of. What about Fern Cotton? Well, that is, <laughs> that is the question. It's a step forward. Yeah, so, I mean, I am broadly speaking in the camp that says Townsend is a good enough coach to warrant a World Cup cycle. Yes. You know, coming in two years with two years to go, bearing in mind he did take over a very good squad, though, with some great work done by Cotter. Well, uh, and, yes. and work done by him in building yes. the Glasgow team yeah, exactly. and the core talent and, in well, the Glasgow but, team. But let, let's just let me play devil's advocate for a second yeah. and pick up on exactly what you just said, JB. Scotland finished the last World Cup being arguably robbed of a semi-final spot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the wins against Australia very early in Gregor Townsend's reign were very early in Gregor Townsend's reign. So you, it's only with hindsight you go how much of that was kind of just keeping the motor running for yep. what, what Vern Cotter had done. And what have we seen in the last couple of years? And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. A lot of Scotland's basics, which Vern, Vern Cotter had elements of what Gregor Townsend does with this expansive game, but had it on the top of some absolutely fundamental, solid basics. And those basics have gone missing for Scotland in the last two years, who have suddenly become a wooden spoon contender team in the Six Nations and eliminated from a pool in a World Cup. Yeah, mm. there's other questions, isn't there? Like, what is this team selection all about? What was the squad selection all about? Leaving people like Hugh Jones... I mean, if Gatlin left Hugh Jones at home and gave the excuse like he did for his two props, I want durable players at the World Cup, you'd probably say, OK. But Townsend's not Gatland, and he's not qualified. So therefore, this kind of goes in, you know, with a big cross because Hugh Jones is a remarkably good, yeah. good, good player. And waiting until Scotland are really bad against Ireland to go, oh, maybe Magnus Brad- Bradbury might be a guy in my back row. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, instead ha- of Ryan Wilson. And then you got to look at things. Oh yeah. Um, maybe not. Maybe not a test number eight, Ryan Wilson, as good a lad as he seems seems to be. Yeah, great guy. Um, the other one would be like you've got you got your captain. Surely you start him. Now, I'm a massive Brown fan, for the record. I mean, I they're think he's a marvellous player. They're two very good players. They've got yeah. good options at hooker. But then, why is he a captain if you're not going to start him? Yeah. I mean, he's got either starts or he doesn't start. So, and, and, and one that one that hasn't been mentioned in this, but I think will be mentioned in the the debrief in Scotland, um, Greg Laidlaw. Greg Laidlaw. Oh, I, I've liked Greg for a long time. Grieg for a long time. Grieg. But his... He's there to to do, well, two things very well. One one is box kicks and one is kick sticks. His percentage kicking at sticks is very, very good. And he can control the game quite well. But the consequence of him trying to contr- of, of him being on to control the game is he slows your game down. Yeah. And I, I think there was a notable improvement in performance when George Horn, who is a live wire scrum half, came on. Yeah, 100%. And and, and conversely, conversely, the importance, and I've forgotten the Japanese nine now, the starting Japanese nine, whatever it is, uh, the importance of that, he might be the most, single most important player at the Rugby World Cup because he went off and 
the speed of Japan just slowed right down. And it's kind of exactly picking up on what you're saying about Scotland. It it it's such an important position that, that sets the tempo for the whole team. And yeah, and and these things. Well, Duncan Taylor hasn't really had a competitive rugby for two years. No, a very talented guy. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing I can think of, right? The only thing I can think of to fight Townsend's corner here is he looks at Finn Russell and he thinks, "Well, this guy is is awesome." Because yeah. uh, you know, towards um, the end of the game, people were like, "Well, don't fire Townsend, fire the defensive coach." But imagine being a defensive coach and told you've got to play Finn Russell. Like, well, I may as well not show up to work. <laughs> you, know, you know, fine. So he's then gone. Okay, well, I've got Finn Russell and he's pretty amazing. I've got I've got Hog. Maybe I need more solidity within yeah. the centres to do other things. When actually, what you should have done is just thrown caution to the wind and you know pick the guys that are going to attack, attack, attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I, I can think more of. More attack, not less. Don't don't try and temper your amazing attackers with some stable guys. Yeah, throwing more attackers. Exactly. Go, go and get yourself Hugh Jones, um, Rory Hutchinson. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tina. Oh, what's his name? Uh, um, Espria from Newcastle. <laughs> Tina Espria. <laughs> That's yeah. the one. You know, just, just go for it. <laughs> for what it's worth, I agree with you that I would not get rid of Gregor Townsend. I definitely wouldn't. Were it not Gregor Townsend and someone that we'd seen do this great work with Glasgow and with a lot of these Scotland players in the squad, Dave Rennie? and this romantic memories we have of him for the Lions and the fact we know he's been groomed by the Scottish Art Rugby Union for, for years for this role. If it was Eddie Jones, let's say, who'd had exactly the same record and had Scotland playing exactly the same way as Greg Townsend, we would we would be sat here saying he's got Out. he's got to go. Hundred percent. Yeah, my yeah. view is I'm not saying he should stay, I'm not saying he should go. I'm saying wait and see what the alternatives are. Take the New Zealand route, which is, yeah, you've exited the World Cup, have a full review. If he's still the best guy after after, review, after your review, keep him. If he's not, bring in either Cotter again or um, Dave Rennie. Has Jim or Mallander started up there, yeah? Jim, Jim Mallander's uh, up there at the moment. As or he is, will uh, be soon. I don't know if he started. As is, Cock- as is Cockers. I mean, I can't see Cockers being the right caller. But there you go. But like That's I say, I, I was only playing purely devil's advocate and the stats do not look good when you look back in hindsight but it's it's also when it's very raw at the minute Mm. yeah um positive notes for scotland though i mean if you can get many many more years out of jamie ritchie that's that's gonna be very positive he is a very good very abrasive he was multiple times right on the edge of what was legal but that's what you want in an open side flanker. Yeah, he's brilliant. It's exactly what you want. He never stopped either. I mean, yeah. I know that's like the bare minimum for a professional rugby player, try hard. But he really tries hard. You know, you talked about the composure of Japan earlier. That's the one issue I have with Scotland. There, there was all sorts of back chat to the ref loads. Well, do you not see the, the, the Japanese waving the court? Oh, was it Japanese doing that? Have I got that confused? Or was that... No, that's the Uruguayans, I, I think, against yeah. Wales. Yeah, I think that might have been. Someone was waving cards and it wasn't a tier one nation. But but <laughs> Scotland's mentality, they just didn't, they just weren't at home. The fact that they were getting, rat, they were really rattled and getting ratty with the ref. Yeah. And just, the ref is keep, keeping a minute, frankly. Well, I thought I he was, I, he I, was I fair. He was, I mean, a lot, I of people, he, a lot of people said, oh, he didn't marshal the offside line, but everything he did was... Balanced, what do you and consistent, think, which is actually all I what care do you think about. Of the head on head, game. and he's like, "Yeah, thanks for the referral. We'll uh, we'll be playing on cheers." I was so delighted <laughs> with that with that decision because you, sometimes you can't you can't stop accidents happening. Yeah, yeah. Although I it had a look, I think well, I think he. So I, I was very happy with it. Well, I, I thought it was the right right call. The flip, the flip side, it does seem a bit arbitrary. Going, 
head on head because he's he's too high, but it's head on head. Let it go. But had the guy been six inches to the left and it's his shoulder, then red card. That does seem a bit weird. Going I, yeah, I think, that, I think, and and the, the, that, that's like luck whether you get yeah. a red card. Yeah, it it is or not. So you're it's, in you're in the wrong position. You were just fortunate that your shoulder didn't hit the yeah. opposition's head rather than your head hitting the opposition's head. Yeah. Although, if you play through the framework, the framework does allow for a head-to-head, and it would it if it's applied properly, it should be a red card. And you can't you can't argue that that's shot, the framework. You can't that's argue the that Shotahori wasn't. He dipped a little bit, but no, there no, was no sudden, no sudden, sudden dip. change and, in and height. other red cards have had slight yep. dips, completely yep. of similar level. It wasn't yeah. consistent, but I was it, pretty w- happy with it. Yeah, I thought it was the right, right decision. Well, at the the right, bottom the line is, if film. Scotland go out, I don't want them to have any option of blaming anybody, anyone yes. for it, because we've had four years of them blaming, <laughs> <laughs> blaming what's his face, the South African ref. No, oh, 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 oh no, oh, not the South. Actually, yeah. can, can we make some you bear? Can we now turn our attention to making jokes about? They should have accepted the draw. <laughs> or in hindsight, a nil-nil draw with Japan in Japan would be a very good result for Scottish for Scotland, rugby. Yeah, I mean... Or the SRU taking legal action for allowing the game to go ahead. <laughs> or Scotland, Scotland's lawyers are filing for actual bodily harm. Good. I like. I like them all. I like them all. They're all equally valid and equally as funny. I did. There was one. There was some absolute Scottish bedwetting bloggers getting so upset about this. Uh, oh, it's, dis- it's disrespectful to Japan. No, it's not. It's disrespectful to you. <laughs> Take it. If oh God, any any home nation that goes out, they'd be getting stick from the rest of the countries. Exactly. That's how it should be. Just because yeah. we're English doesn't mean we're not allowed to. I'm well, not English. In, my, in mine and Phil's case, just because we're English doesn't mean we're not allowed to have a, you know, in, have a bit of banter. That's yeah. Scotland. To Japan, mate. Disrespectful to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Lols. I'll tell you what we should do. I'll tell you what we should do because some Japanese players will definitely get mentioned in this. Now... To be fair to all twenty teams, and so uh, from now on, it will get na- our focus will narrow and narrow. Let, let's pick a, a team of the pool stages where we've got all twenty, can, can all 20 t- nations to pick from. Are no longer in the competition because it's mm. easy to to pick. Like, oh, I I think the All Blacks have got good props, or those Springboks se- second rows are well, mighty impressive. I've, I've I've put a few names down, and I all think right. I think it'll be quite well spread anyway. If if you two are thinking yeah. in a like-minded fashion, yes, fine. Where but, do you want to start then? Back three or front row? Uh, front row, because the okay. hooker is it's obvious. Is Hook, it? Hooker, oh, shot to Hori. Shot to Hori. Yeah, yeah, that is wow. relatively obvious. He, his his offloading is incredible. His ball carrying is unreal. Yeah, he has been sensational. But do you know it would be so easy would it, just to name two Georgian props? But frankly, I thought they were terrible against um, <laughs> Australia, so I, I won't I, I won't do that. Um, tight head, I've gone for Ty Furlong. Yes, I, I did. I think he's been brilliant. His ball carrying has yeah. been exceptional and his scrimmaging has been very, very good. Good sign for Ireland because uh, there's a few, a few of their key players are have looked more like their old self than the ones we saw in the last nine months. Um, um, Lou said prop I struggled with. I did. I, I, I wanted to give a mention to Titi Lamasatelli, who's just carried relentlessly for a Who, USA. Yeah, that's a good point. He, he's played tight head in this but he can play loose head and I was having a look them giving away many scrum penalties as well their scrimmaging has been very been, very been good, good. He, he's been him uh, Taufete and Lasika have been uh, USA's the USA's best players best ball carriers no, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, not the best players There's best players no best, AJ's been the best player best players but they've been very good 
accompaniments to him. <laughs> if Genji had played more, I think it probably would have been him. Mm. And, uh, Joe Marler has played very well in the absence well. Uh, and well, played a lot. Yeah, the thing is, I discount anything England have done so far because they've beaten two tier twos and a fourteen man Super Rugby team. So let's let's just let's just hold <laughs> off on them for now. Locks, who have you like? I thought Scott Barrett's looked really good. Scott Barrett has been bearing in mind again. we we were like, oh, bro, they've got no Brody Retallick. Yeah, he's looked really good. Yeah, but, he's a but again, they've had one hard game, haven't they? And the rest has been a little bit of a walkthrough. Who play you up against? Yeah, that would be. I tell you, who looked really good. I don't want to say it's Peterson for uh, USA. Like every time he's he he has come on and, and carried hard, he has made good. He has made some good yards. Any any locks that you had? I thought Maro has been looking really good. Maro has been good. His line out work has been very very mm. good, and his carrying's been good. Um, there's a couple of South Africans you could mention. Yeah. Uh, Moster has, oh, yeah. has been good. Lude yeah. Lude has been good. Um, Babyface assassin. I I think. Um, Obviously, Alan Wynn has been very important yes, to the way that, that they play. But there, there's been few... I mean, again, you could go for some of the Japanese boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they are, they are in, <coughs> integral to Mo- what they do. Moore and Thompson, because of the way that they fit into that team. So, take your pick. Alan Wynn and one other. Moster or, it, or Itoji. Okay. Uh, back row, I, I went Wainwright as my six. Wayne, so... Wainwright has played very well. Um, I've loved Jake Pledry. No, I, I think Jake, yeah, J- Jake Pledry. Well. He was wearing a seven on his back when he's played. Yeah, so I'd put him at seven because I'd go for one man, one Manuel Gaminara, who is the captain Gaminara. of Gaminara, who is the captain of Uruguay. And I actually think that you know, Uruguay, if you look at where they've come from to where they are now, um, they lost thirteen uh, thirty-five to Wales, but they actually won a game against Fiji. I mean, this is yeah. remarkable. And and, the, the and you Wales, watch them play, and they're good. They are legitimately good. Wales, admittedly, Wales butchered three tries, but they also scored a, a couple of very easy ones right towards the end of the game to make the scoreline a bit flattering, arguably, yeah. towards Wales. So what's your back row? I, I've got uh, Wainwright and Jimeno, and, and I couldn't really pick a seven. Uh, well, if you put in Pledry at seven, yeah. you could put him or Peter Stefford Toy. Oh, but yeah. but both of them are. Oh, well, he's re- a six. But both, we'll, seven. We'll, we'll, we'll I, I think I think both Pelledri and Peter Steftatoy are really sixes wearing sevens. Yeah, yeah I I would just say this. Look, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about Peter Steftatoy in future podcasts. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, uh, halfbacks. So I've gone for I've gone for Nick White at nine. Oh, that's an interesting shout. Nick White's been excellent. I think he really has been super. I went for Gareth Davis. Gareth, oh, Gareth Davis is a good shout. Um, Oh. Gareth Davis's try against Uruguay at the end. I know he's playing on the wing, yeah. but it just so showed the, the pace and the step on the boy. Um, Wales always have this. I remember years ago. I mean, it wasn't their it wasn't their vintage era, but I just remember I was at Uni in Bath and uh, and they had Andy Williams. No, no, that was before I was at Uni in Bath. Are you there, Gareth Cooper? When you were Gareth in Cooper, Cooper and Andy Williams, they had yes, like it, just electric Gareth, Welsh halfbacks. Uh, well, so the, Scrum ass. Oh, hang on, am I thinking the Dragons now? I am thinking the Dragons because that's they what Gareth were both Cooper. rapid. Yeah, Gareth Cooper ended up at the Dragons. Did Gareth Cooper went? He went from Bath. Did he use Dragons and back to Bath? I'm not sure. I think he got a bad injury, but if I but I, I don't remember. Yeah, Gareth Cooper was uh, was in superb condition for a he long, was, long time. He reminds me of Gareth Davis in that he's just explosive, yeah. just can break off the base and run 50 meters to score. Um, so Gareth Davis and George Ford. Well, George Ford has only played. I mean, yeah, fine, George Ford. Name me name me a fly off that's played better. I'm going to name you the guy who is second top point scorer in 
uh, the World Cup so far and plays for Uruguay. Really? Felipe Berchetti. Wow. Who's their 10, who has played. So George Ford has played brilliantly. I do take the point that he's played. But could... But could George Ford have led Uruguay to win against Fiji? I'm not sure. He Let's put the Uruguay second top point scorer. Yeah, historic win against a much higher ranked opposition. Yeah, and really good account of themselves in all games. All round, yeah. U- Uruguay are probably the most improved team uh, in this World Cup cycle. Go on then. And a, a load, a load of their players are now playing Major League Rugby, so it's an it does show how important the. That kind of competition is oh, for like for world rugby. What's his name then? Sorry, Felipe Berchezzi. Berchezzi, Berchezzi, whatever it is. Uh, wingers, this is easy, isn't it? So, I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five guys who have just been unbelievable who've played on the wing. I'm going to try and accommodate all of them, but but my the guys I've got Matsushima and yes. Fukuoka. Yeah. One one of those two pick it, but Matsushima's played more. Matsushima. Um, Radrada, who I might move to, to yes. 13. Yeah, he's, he's played, he has uh, yes, played in the centre. Yes, he's good. Yeah. Do that. Uh, Josh Adams, I think, has been brilliant. He has been great. And Cheslin Colby. You, what about uh, Corabetti? Uh, Corabetti's been ace. good as well. Yeah. There is a guy but who, I don't know, has he been better than those others? Maybe put him in ahead of Josh Adams. There is one guy you've missed um, who definitely needs to be spoken about because he worked so bloody hard. Uh, that's Jeff Hassler. I mean, the guy. I, I, I think he might even not have a club at the moment, but he works and works and works, and he's he's head and shoulders above most uh, most, um, above most, most of his mates. I'm gonna let you. This is your you're a back three player, Phil. Pick your pick pick. So Radrada right. into the centre. Radrada's Ma- at thirteen. On one wing. Who are you having? Matsushima, Fukioka, Adams, Corabetti, and Colby. On, I'm gonna have Corabetti and have Colby at fifteen. Oh, love it, coward. Love that. Uh, which means we've got to pick a twelve, and then we've got a backline. Uh, what about Siali Piatel? Good shout. That's a really good, good shout. Good shout. He he has been superb. Yeah, I tell you what, um, I really enjoyed watching um, the workmanlike displays of ha- of of Hadley Parks. <laughs> I mean, like getting battered. I mean, I getting battered, but it carries on going. Yeah, he played every minute. He, he played. He played full game against Uruguay as well, didn't he? Hadley Parks is four days after getting hammered. Yeah, Hadley Parks is. You watch him have the odd game where he looks like he's running in treacle or a rag doll, and then so that that and normally he follows that up by being who a man was, of the match. Yeah, on, who was the Irish journalist? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to have to be careful what I say, say now. <laughs> There's an Irish journalist who proved himself to be, I don't know, somewhat stupid, I guess would be the best, best way to put it. When he used Hadley Park as an example of the genetic superiority of New Zealanders compared to uh, people, not islanders, people from the Isle of Ireland, because Hadley Park's managed to run down... Stockers. Stockers. Do you, do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. There was some ridiculous... Yeah, and it was that, that was the game when he was, Hadley Parks was man of the match. But the game before, was it against England? Or it was against someone, and he just—he had the worst game. He—he he, he could not—he couldn't keep up with yeah. like an England <laughs> forward. And everyone's going, oh "God, how slow how? was Hadley Parks?" And then he goes and gasses to catch up with Stockers. Yeah, that it's, was genetic. So, so there you go. I'm oh. predicting it. Hadley Parks, man of the match mm. this weekend, next uh, weekend. Who have they? Who have they got? England, Wales, no, got, no France. France, of course, Wales, France, <sighs> England, Australia, New Zealand oh. versus Ireland, grudge match, and. Uh, South Africa versus Japan grudge, grudge match, match. Yeah. England v Australia always a grudge match yes you know, Wales France is the it's the sort of least 
uh, grudgy match of the four. Yeah. yeah. I can see France winning that big time. I really can. Um, anyway, we, we'll just um, remember Paris. Just remember Paris. Open game of Six Nations. Yeah. The... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What other questions um, do we have on our agenda, JB? Was there one about um, kind of? I've, well, I've got lots of questions about the uh, about the Prem Cup, but no doubt we're not going to talk about <laughs> that. <laughs> um, Great competition. Did, did, did you work it this weekend? No, too? not this weekend. Did you not? How how was it last weekend? It was fantastic. The last couple of weekends have been absolutely brilliant. So I've come Great back. Rugby. I've come back from Japan, and my Sky Dish is not facing the right satellite or some such thing. And therefore, I've missed all the Prem Cup action. Oh, devastating! No. I, I, I genuinely am. That was, you know, that's why you should get the BT Sport app, where you can yeah. you can catch up with the games you missed, watch highlights, and rewatch games. Yeah, well, I've been watching it on a Fire Stick. I do have the uh, the BT Sport app on my iPad, but that was otherwise in use playing Peppa Pig. So you know, <laughs> you can't have it all all your own way, is what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, pain. Yeah, because we do need to focus on the, uh, on on the Premiership because it's back in action pretty soon. It is. God, we're going to have to start having uh, domestic podcasts and World oh, Cup podcasts, no. aren't we've we? We've got all those extra downloads. Oh no! We've also we've also got to have a fantasy rugby draft at some point. Oh, this Wednesday, we're having our draft. Is it this Wednesday? This Wednesday, ni- uh, nine pm. Nine pm, or is it eight thirty pm? I don't know. Ooh. Have a look. Go, go and have a look on the website. The... It will tell you. It will count Does down it? to mm. the time. I need to get in touch with the commissioner. Yeah. So I do actually have a question, although um, I suspect that you're looking through our Twitter there for other questions, Tim. My question is this. Uh, the, the last week of the pool stages, we've seen Australia not look good. We've seen Wales not look good. We've seen, obviously, that classic between um, uh, between Japan and Scotland, which doesn't, fit, which doesn't fit, fit the trend. And we've also seen Ireland playing a very powerful brand of rugby. Do you think this last stage of the pool games, what you're seeing is the teams trying to win but without showing the other teams what it is about their strategy that they're going to use in the knockouts. So I think there is an element that specific plays they've not wanted to reveal. So specific strike moves, specific line-out moves, they will keep close to their chest. But the general way of that they're playing is going to be pretty similar to how they are going to end up playing for the majority now they might change things up for specific time periods in the games, but I I really think, particularly Australia and um, Ireland and Wales, because Wales did it all Six Nations. Those three teams in particular are going to play a very narrow, very tight, very risk averse uh, brand of rugby in these knockout stages. Yeah, I think with Wales in particular, they play their best rugby when they are focused on one area of weakness of, of, of the opposition. 
That's that's when they do their real damage. So I think they well, whatever they whatever they do, it'll be rather special. So I think Ireland are going to go full out power rugby. I think England are going to do the same thing. Uh, yet in- England are probably the one we've where we've seen them repeatedly try and bring so strike moves off scrums and lineouts and trying to bring it's it's the kind of two dummy runners so a dummy runner um behind so if manu's playing 13 you have ford out the back to farrell behind manu mm-hmm. and then you farrell will have two options they have elliot daly coming short with johnny may or watson coming round and that's a strike move they've used repeatedly both in six nations and in the warm up and in the world cup um so i think we'll see a bit of that but the england will also they heavily, will heavily rely on hammering it forward they'll heavily sl- rely on their set piece yeah. and heavily heavily rely on their ball carriers subject to well, injuries well billy Napola's yeah. injury and joe marler injury mm. um which is not an ideal time for joe marler to get injured no. I, I can't think of anything really that nice to say about the australian team They've got some big locks. They've got their, their set piece. Count. Their set piece has been impressive. Set piece has been better. Yeah, I mean they did a number on that Georgia Georgia scrum, and that's what Georgia brings to the party. Um, the, the the biggest the biggest problem that um, Australia have got at the moment is they do not have a settled backline. No, I, I I don't I genuinely don't know if they're going to go for Lili Afano, Tamua, or Foley at ten. You have to go to Foley. I, I, to I, don't, I don't I don't Foley, think they will go Karevi. Foley. I I. I I don't, I don't know, but I don't think they will go Foley. I, I would definitely go Foley. Maybe Tamua, maybe Karevi, something like that, something like that. As I, long as Corey Betty plays, uh, they're in with a good. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I would, I would go for Karevi. Karevi, but I, I would, I would be tempted. If only had a world class fullback. We <laughs> should, we should get in touch with our boys from uh, Green and Gold. We should actually That's to not... do this. This is a, a World Cup, and it's England Australia. We need to do, a, we need to do a preview Joy. with with the Green and Gold boys. That's a good shout. I'll, I'll I, get them on the line. If I if I was checker, I would go for both Karevi and um, Kurundrani. Yeah, I'd have. I would go for the Bash Bros. Hope that Curtly Beal has recovered from his concussion. Um, so you've got a playmaker out the back, but I would have those two oh, crashing. Beale, yes, Curly Beal plays crashing everything down the middle. Because mm. because so. the 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 weakness of the England ten twelve thirteen is is the defence. It most the biggest, certainly is the biggest weakness, and I would be targeting. I'd be making Tuolagi make decisions, hoping him to jam out of the line, going for the big hit, and then. Well, he's not the one that I'm look, worried look about up. making the big hit. Well, oh, who <laughs> you you've you. Another one of your predictions was Owen Farrell red cards. Yeah, where where are but, they? Well, they're, where, they're, is, they're the opposition. The, why is the well done <laughs> dry? I don't get they're, it. They're, they're the opposition. Uh, I think getting them. legitimately, and we'll see how it goes with France, but uh, so far, every prediction you've made has been false. Well, France beat Argentina. Uh, that, that is, yeah. Yes, France, France, France did beat Argentina. So that might and, be one and, of your... And France did not lose to England. Admit it, Tim. <laughs> well, admit it, admit it. It's fair to say France did not lose to England. But uh, Wales... in, in your in the uh, podcast that we recorded after your night out with the pilot, you predicted at least three times that England would beat France, and at least three times that France would beat England. I don't. In know. the same, no, I... in the same that is the genius. Forty-five of the minute yeah. podcast. Well, the problem with that podcast is. <laughs> 
Well, Tim wasn't there to keep us on the straight. Where were you, Tim? Where were you when we were up at six in the morning? That was Extinction Rebellion's fault. <laughs> so because of the Extinction Rebellion issues, I stayed in London last Sunday night rather than come back to Manchester because the boss just Because said, you were protesting? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Outraged. You were doing yoga exactly. in St. James' I, I walked through Trafalgar Square, by the way, this weekend. I was down, uh, down in London for a mate's birthday. I went through Trafalgar Square. Oh my word! That's, that's a whole <laughs> Jesus. What are they? Anyway, uh, so I saw a great video t- today about Extinction Rebellion in Rotterdam or not Rotterdam. What's the one? What's the, um, Amsterdam? Amsterdam, and they'd set up hammocks underneath the bridge to stop the boats, uh, and they're just they, you know, swinging in the little hammocks and, underneath the bridge above a canal. And some bright spark has walked along the bridge. And he's cut each hammock individually. Like secateurs cut it at one yeah, side. Yeah. <laughs> but it is glorious to watch. <laughs> Nothing uh, could make me happy. I was there in Trafalgar Square and all of the Tarquins and Arabellas were out in force. Yep, as, as, <laughs> as they would be. Um, I just realised one thing. Can I, can I do this now? I completely forgot to tweet something earlier because I was, I, was, I was having a big... I was having like a family meal. Like me and my brother were huddled around a, my phone watching the Japan game. A wireless. And... Uh, so as a result, I totally forgot to post my tweet, my, my traditional tweet when a, when a big team lose of <laughs> oh, your yes. boys took your a hell of a beating. Your boys took one hell of a beating. And I prepared it before the game because I was confident. Albeit bef- a few days ago, I was very, very so much was not like confident. Mr Miyagi? No, no, no. I was, okay. I was very confident of Scotland losing. Scotland winning. I, yeah, I mean, no, I thought, Scotland losing. Days ago, days ago, I thought, oh, Scotland are going to do them. Mr but, Nintendo. But immediately before it, I had a feeling. So I, I, I wrote the following. William Wallace. Darius from Pop Idol, <laughs> Billy Connolly, Sean Connery, Rabsi Nesbit, Saint Andrew, Nicola Sturgeon, Andy, Andy Murray, <laughs> The Family Ness, Lewis Capaldi, Shrek, David Moyes, Susan Boyle, Nicola Sturgeon, Wee Jimmy Cranky, David Snedden, Groundskeeper Willie, Simon <laughs> Danielli, WP Nell, Cornell Dupria. Your boys <laughs> took a hell of a beating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, elder prayer. I hope he's okay. Has he recovered from his? Yeah, his he injury? played very well for Worcester the couple, uh, last weekend. Good to know. Um, yes. Anyway. Okay. Have we got anything else to cover, cover off, or shall we? Um, should we leave it? Well, do you want to give your kind of one-word predictions for next weekend? I'm sure we'll do it in more detail. All right. Uh, how time. about how about um, very very quick? Let's not make a long conversation of this. But a lot of people have been talking in the wake of this World Cup pool stage, and. Fiji looking really good, albeit not getting the results. Japan looking really good and getting the results. People have started saying, come on. World Rugby, Six Nations, uh, Rugby Championship, whatever it is, get your acting, get your act together. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. And we sort of touched on it earlier. So so just briefly, we're in, we're in a very quick World Rugby meeting. Top brass are there. And I'm saying, what, what, what do we do? What, what, would, what would you do, Phil? I, I agree with JB's point that you, if you can't... You can't just totally disrupt, um, like promoting Georgia to the the Six Nations. You can't just totally disrupt a competition, um, and I I think you take Japan or Fiji or both of them out of the Pacific Nations Cup, and the competition just kind of falls apart. Mm. That said, I do want more games with those guys, those supposed tier two or or now tier one nations against the bigger boys. So it's got to be a, it can only be considered as a global calendar shift to more games like the one that was proposed but fell through um, earlier this year. Okay. And But I don't, I 
don't know how you can square that circle because there are certain nations who are never going to vote for that because it jeopardizes their place or potentially jeopardizes their place at the top table. One thing, just one crazy idea I would do. I would take Fiji and I would have them based in, uh, let me, let me think, I'm trying to think of a place. I would, I would have them based in Barcelona, Spain. I know Barcelona's great. Show. I would have Fiji oh, based in it. Spain, stop it. and because they've got so many players in Europe, France, and it's easy to get to. And that I think that would be a massive draw, and we would go to Barcelona Absolutely. for a weekend to yeah. international with Fiji. without without a second thought. So that's the, so that's that's one issue. That's one thing I would do is I would have a, a, a Fiji. So based in I actually Europe, think that's a very tame idea. I don't think that's crazy, crazy at all. Because my idea would be not not so much to move Fiji. But to buy Fiji, um, I would buy, if I had enough money, if I had Hans Peter Wild money, I would buy Fiji, the brand, and all and all the rights to it. I'd effectively privatise the Fijian Union for my, own, for my own good, and also for their good, to be fair. Because I actually think that, if you look at what they did in the World Cup, they are outstanding rugby players with an international draw far beyond their homeland. And they're never going to play a home game anyway. No, what's the point? Because actually, yeah, just you, you can, you're going to get a tiny crowd who who aren't going to pay big money, but they're worth a lot of cash. And Loads ultimately, cash. The, the, the the objective is, as sad as that might sound, like, well, we're not, you're not going to the island of Fiji. The objective should be you want Vakatawa well, not to play for France, but to play for it, Fiji. If it was yeah. a profitable en- uh, enterprise. Exactly. Which I'm pretty sure it could, I'm pretty sure it could be. Uh, in the same way that people watch the Barbarians, or you know, uh, I know it sounds a little bit degrading, but say something like the Harlem Globe, Harlem Globetrotters, which were drawing their own rights. If it was legitimately pro- um, profitable, well, then they could hold the occasional game back home with tier, with with, uh, with a tier one team, much like was it Samoa did it a few years ago. I mean, it nearly bankrupted the union, but they still did it. So that that would be my solution to. Um, the you know the issue of Fiji. I've got a more pressing question though. I'd like to bring. To oh, and just just say so that's what I do with Fiji. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, to bring them to Europe so they're based there. Japan, I, I actually think more tier more games against tier one nations, but keep them where they are because it's a very rich country. But do you not think they so should... they can sustain it? So I, the way I look at this is South Africa have always wanted to leave Sanzar and come over to the Six Nations. They've always wanted to do it because they know where the cash is. Um, and they're absolutely right. That is exactly where the cash is. It is in the Six Nations. And that's why uh, Australia and New Zealand want to keep hold of them, because they are very small markets. However, if South Africa moved over to the European competition, for whatever reason that may, that may be, that makes sense. We know it makes sense. Time zones. Because of the time zones. But then you replace them with Japan, and that also Japan makes sense. Japan to Argentina, though, jeez. That's... Yeah, but Japan to New Zealand and Australia makes a lot more sense because of the time zones. So actually, you know, and also the also the economics involved, because otherwise you'd be looking at putting Japan into a competition, presumably, if you if you did change around, I'm not a fan of changing around, but if you did change around, with the European teams, and the time, time zones mess up completely. But actually, with uh, Australia and New Zealand, that'd be that'd be fine. I get that, but Japan to Argentina, as I say, is that's bonkers. Yeah, but it's no different to you know, you know anywhere else in Sanzar to Argentina. I mean, it's miles away from everywhere. No, isn't that like literally the Japan and opposite, Argentina's uh, yeah. opposite side of the, the country? It's like going from it's like England to uh, to Australia. But is that not the same for? Is it, or am I completely wrong on that? I got no idea. We need to get a map. I mean, I, I'll Google. I'll, I'll Google. Maybe it's now. not quite in, that drastic. No, in, in my head, it, it's at least that, if not more. 
But it can't be more. Can what, what? It can't be more than... Um, England to Australia. Yeah. Uh, and that's literally up well, sides of the globe. They are pretty much. So, yeah, it's it's about that. Hmm. Yeah, that so would So maybe... Work. So that's why... But, but, but keep... the outlier there... The outlier there is Argentina, not not Japan. Japan, Australia, and New Zealand. Make it more depends sense. on what the problem is you're trying to fix. If you're trying to get more meaningful games, that solves that. I think fundamentally, and the first issue is how do you make Japanese players play for Japan, Fiji, Fijians play for Fiji, and that's that. I mean, the, the Fiji, Samoa, Tonga would be infinitely better if Fijians, Tongans, and Samoans played for Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa instead of mm. Ireland or France, for example, just to pick two randomly. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i kind of with that. So, anyway. Right, uh, right. so that, that, that'll get talked about lots more. But yes, um, what were you saying? Do we like, oh, go on, JB, sorry. You got some yeah, so I've just got one more, one more thing. Now that the um, group stages have come to a close and we know what a wonderful country Japan is, and by the way, what a wonderful host uh, that that country is. And that would be, if you were going to put in a bid for another country, which is not a traditional rugby power to hold a World Cup, who would it be? Uh, just one... Th- uh, it is It is further from Tokyo to Buenos Aires than it is from London to Sydney. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. About a Google thou- Maps can't even find a way. Uh, I'm, so I'm doing it on a, uh, a different free map tool because I knew um, Google Maps wouldn't work. It is about uh, nearly a 1,000 miles further. Wow. Uh, so what's it's a it? Long old way. So what's it from Australia to New, um, to Argentina? Because to... it looks to me as, as if New Zealand is actually the closest country. Yeah. Oh no, actually, or obviously South the closest Africa. country would be South Africa because they've only got to go over the South Atlantic or Uruguay. Um, so Buenos Aires to Sydney, seven thousand miles. Um, Tokyo to Sydney, eleven and a half thousand miles. Wow. And Lud- London to Sydney, ten and a half thousand miles. Hmm. But Japan to Sydney, not not so bad. Mm. I'm guessing six thousand miles. Let's have a look. Hmm. No, go five thousand. No, six thousand. Uh, for some reason, this has started typing in backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Uh, let's do that. There we go. Three thousand going to this mm. Tokyo. So to that, that, I mean, it's closer. It's closer from. I know. I know one. It's closer from Sydney to Singapore than it is from Sydney to Perth. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Now that that, so that is a uh, good Perth part. is the most remote city on earth. Yeah, I have heard that. Right. Uh, give me. Give me your. Give me your pictures then for alternative rugby venues, alternative rugby countries to host the World Cup, which aren't traditional powers. I well, do, do you know what? I'm looking at. This World Cup that we've seen, and there are two nations that have gone backwards at a rate of knots. I mentioned Samoa; they can't host the World Cup, but Canada can. So let's take it to Canada and Canada try and is. try and give them a leg up. Canada would be a good shout. Um, Canada, I just wonder if it's a bit too small. Yeah, well, I suppose the issue well, again. I mean, again, the landmass is big enough. Again, the, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. landmass is big enough. But again, population. California is a bigger population than yep. Canada. Thirty million, yeah, thirty odd, thirty-five million, million in, something in like Canada. that. But again, you've got one issue there in that Canada is closer. Uh, sorry, Toronto or uh, is closer to New York than to Vancouver. Mm. Oh so you, yeah, you've yeah. got massive. Um, Massive land to cover, so maybe but, maybe for that reason not Canada, but, but for, but the for, land, for the, the giving them a leg up, 
the land distances, once you're flying, it's like, I know Japan is nowhere near as big, but we did quite a lot of miles in Japan, and flying an extra hour or two on some yeah. of our flights wouldn't have made wouldn't have made much difference. I think, I think Vancouver's is Toronto is like a four, four, four or five hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. We did a couple of two-hour flights yeah. within, and if you make a two-hour flight, a four-hour flight, with your time and they've got, into the airport, they've got the whole airport. French thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, okay. So I admit that there Correct. are downsides to your plan, but um, maybe Canada and the borders. So I, you know, board, you, know you use like Seattle, you Seattle, New and New York, New York, Detroit, Buffalo. Chicago. Yeah, all those Boston. Places. Yes, all those places are good. Yeah, mm. and like, and maybe in America's World Cup. So America's World Cup. Yeah, well, That's certainly a, a North continent. American World Cup. You're talking two continents, North and South. Yes. Or is that one well, maybe. I mean, maybe. Well, in risk, it's two continents. Yes, yeah. it is. I in think risk. it is. So in risk, or, is it? Even th- or is it? Well, possibly even three continents if you class Central America as a continent. Yeah, mm. yeah we can skip out Central America. They don't play rugby there. <laughs> yeah. so as much as I'd love to go to Cuba and Mexico, that would sounds, that'd be great. <laughs> Phil? Um... Non-traditional rugby playing country that you'd like that, that you'd like to. So what one thing it, it's got to be a big country, and I don't necessarily mean geographically. It has to have a big population. Mm. Um, they've got to have the in, and the reason why you've got to have the pop, big population is because you need the infrastructure, and the infrastructure broadly classes, which is why Ireland cannot host a World Cup. Let me repeat: they can't do it. It would be very on very own. difficult for yeah. them to do it. They can do but, it without help, but not on their own. Infrastructure broadly, I would class in three things. One, you need the stadia, mm-hmm. which plenty of places could do that. Any any place that has a reasonable level of professional football league could do that. Mm-hmm. But then you need um, the infrastructure, so the transport networks, rail, um, airplanes, and road. And very importantly, you need the hotels. So, for example, Manchester, which is a big footballing city... If you try and get a hotel on match day for football, uh, match day when United or City, particularly United, are playing at home, it's a nightmare. Hotel prices are at least double. Mm-hmm. I was in Liverpool. Oh, that's why London this weekend was so expensive because of the American football as well as uh, the American football was a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was in Liverpool a few weeks ago on a Saturday night when Liverpool were playing at home. It was like three hundred pounds for the, for the only hotel I could find that was quite a long way out of the city centre. So they just the, you need somewhere with the, the the right infrastructure. So you're almost looking at somewhere that is a tourist destination as well as having I know where a professional you're football league. Go on. I know where Phil's going. He's going after the travesty of the 2019 World Cup, Spain. Exactly. That's well. That's what. So Spain would be bloody good. So Spain has w- Spain has got the hotel rooms. If you're doing it out of and season, and that Catalan border good. region is massive rugby land, yeah. rugby heartland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the 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 Catalan it, and, and the Basque mm. areas. It'd be the we are so sorry World Cup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, we are making we are making things right World Cup. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it'd be. We could have Barcelona, we could have Madrid, we could have Valencia, all places actually we've, that we've Se- been to and recommend Seville. Um, I mean, there's so San, many. San That'd be great for for Uruguay and Argentina as well. Exactly. About yeah. uh, about time it went to a Spanish speaking nation. I mean, I don't know how Argentina will feel about it going to Spain before it goes to Argentina, <laughs> but it does make a lot of sense. Every, you know, everyone can fly there. Um, English is well yeah. known. Spanish France is the main language. And the UK and Ireland 
on the doorstep with yeah. regular yeah. low budget flights. There would we we'd, yeah. we'd be there on mass every week. You could go every weekend. You could even host. Yeah, you could. You could. Well, I'm yeah, going yeah. to work, and I'm yeah. doing one on a Friday to go and watch three games of <clears throat> rugby world cup matches. Which we could maybe even do for the next one in France, 2023. Oh yes, perfect. Um, and you could you could even host games in because it's so easy and accessible you could host a game in Rome you could host a game in Toulouse you could host a game in Lisbon mm. I think oh, Sp- I, Port- Portugal and Spain if you could just somehow keep it to those two it would be bloody yeah, great because Portugal in the past have had quite a rich history of World Cup attendances yes they have so yeah give me Spain with sharing the love a little bit around the region that does remind me we need to look at the tier 2 Six Nations schedule because I think Portugal are back in the top league We'll Excellent. look into it. We will look into it in detail. Right. I, I am firmly in the camp of going back back to Madrid. But that's a discussion for another time. 100%. But what we will do is have a podcast later in the week previewing the start of the Premiership. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and previewing the world. And maybe, Finally, some maybe to be confirmed, maybe with the Green and Gold boys. Um, they don't know anything about this. So. No, they don't. <laughs> we, we'll, <laughs> we'll, to, we'll surprise they listen, them. They listen. All right, boys. How are you doing? Um, and... Yes, but we will be previewing the... In fact, we'll have to get together and do two pods. One one on the quarterfinals, one on the premiership. MWDP is yes. back. Oh my God, MWDP is back. Midweek domestic podcast. Before we finally go, yes. one word. I'm going to read out the quarterfinals. I just want you to tell me the one word. No oh, okay. explanation, right. no nothing, just the winner. So the first quarterfinal, 8.15, Saturday morning, England, Australia. One word, Tim Cocker. England. JB. Australia. I also go England. Uh, 11.15 Saturday morning, New Zealand, Ireland. Tim Cocker. New Zealand. JB. New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh, Sunday morning, (coughs) 8.15, Wales, France. Wales. France. Wales. And 11.15 Sunday morning, Japan, South Africa. (sighs) This is the romantic one, but no, South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. I, ca- I just can't see past it. Favourites. So, forward. yeah, I've, I have also gone for predictably... The f- but the, they're all actually, in, for the bookies, they're quite heavy favourites. The favourites are <coughs> significant favourites mm. in each game. So. Well, let's see when the team teams come out. We can dissect that a little bit more. But thank you very much for listening. Hit subscribe in that channel, wherever you get it. We are on Spotify. We are on Acast. We are on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, we're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He is at Jay Beardmore. I am. If you want to see someone picking fights and <laughs> making <laughs> predictions, that is where you go. Actually, there's been some very entertaining stuff. Just watching from afar, JB. You've been on form this World Cup. My favorite, My favourite comment made by... Uh, a journalist about you on Twitter was, that's why everyone likes you, JB. <laughs> and every time, every time I see you getting into a spat, I think, oh, that's why everyone likes you, JB. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'm Matt Cocker, and Phil is lurking. You can slide into his DMs if you can find him. Always lurking. Let the boys play. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.